I've been trusting God in him only, only, only. I break bread with squad members only, only, only. I done came up, holy moly, holy moly. Yeah, yeah. If it's funny, don't approach me. I keep running around me only, trusting God in him only, him only, only. I break bread with squad members only, 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 only. I done came up, holy moly. Alright, uh, you are in tune for another episode of the Inside View with Doc Watson and your man Trig. Uh, due to the pandemic called COVID-19, which is still uh, amongst COVID-19! The, I mean, <laughs> we are still, we're still virtual like a, like a mug. We thought we'd be out of this by now after episode six, but uh, yeah, we're still, uh, still in uh, virtual mode. And so we're going to kick this off. We're going to talk about a little A&R tonight. And as a matter of fact, we have our, our first guest arriving, Byron Juan. I'm going to let him into you. Want me to let him into the room? Yeah, let him on in. All right, let me let him in. Oh, we got to unmute him now. Oh, yeah. No, I think he can unmute himself. Yeah, he's got to unmute. Okay. So... Go ahead, Trey. Byron, I'll tell you what we're doing. I didn't get a chance to really explain it to him. <laughs> okay. So yeah, tonight, I'm here, though. Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm going, I'm going wonderful. Good, good. So the nice topic is is uh, the topic of A&R, a topic that many, if I think if you're on the industry side, you understand it in terms of the investments and everything needs to be made. I think if you're on the artist side of it, you see it as a, a major mystery and trying to... <laughs> right? You know, the artist side of it, it's like the, the kingdom of doom, right? How do I make it into this thing? And then as you're going through this thing, you go, man, I either feel like I can get jerked or it's a pot of gold, right? And then you also hear these stories of, uh, man, I'm going to date myself. But back in the day, all the stories from people like a cool C who gave up their catalog to try to hopefully advance their career. But, you know, got a, got a pot of money, so to speak, but didn't have anything on the back end to other people who uh, made out really well. And so what we're going to try to do tonight is kind of demystify the A&R uh, process, if you will, and give you a holistic point of view. So anything okay. you want to add to that, Doc? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, uh, what I wanted to do after we get past, like, kind of, you know, what we look at, then we'll have Byron kind of discuss what it's like going through the growth process with the label. So yeah. artists can kind of see two sides, like, because there's the label side and the artist side of everything. Especially, yeah, especially since he's so happy. Every time I see him, he's... He seems happy, man. So yeah, he's only like that with you guys. When he gets over here, he's always mad. You know, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I hate everybody. You know, no, nah, he's he's uh that's one of the reasons why we picked him up. This is his personality. Yeah. We'll get into that though. Yeah. All right. Cool. But um, but yeah, I mean, uh, let's uh let's start the combo, man. So how you want to do it? I say let's start with the um. Somebody's trying to get in the room. DJ Lost and Found is coming into the room. We let him in. Okay. Yeah. DJ Lost and Found. What's good, brother? What's up, what's up, what's up, man? What's going on? How are you? Good, good. Just getting situated, man. Okay. All right. Take your time. Thank you. You got it. All right. So, and just so you know, uh, Lost and Found, uh, we're talking about the A&R process. Tonight, uh, that's the main topic. So feel free, as you have any questions, man, to jump in, ask questions, etc. Or opine as well. We know you're producing some things now, so if you got some points, 
you want to add in, uh, feel free to jump in. So, Doc, what do you think about starting from the artist perspective in terms of, you know, what it looks like from the outside, man, and, and particularly today in this, even thinking through the process of, I've got now unlimited outlets in terms of how I can get my music out. So should I even think about entering into this arduous A&R process? So I think it's the healthiest way for anyone to look at, it, especially an artist. A lot of times uh, I think where artists uh, have a hard time with labels and understanding businesses that they don't see themselves as a business. They see themselves, this isn't all artists, just some. But some artists do see themselves as a, as a business, but they don't. But not all of them do. So what happens is, you know, I think a lot of artists are constantly uh, trying to figure out the code to to sign, and when they and they feel when they sign that it's just going to explode. You know, they're going to be in this this different world, and you will be to a certain degree. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, every label has their own their own thing they're trying to do. So like. The reason why I might sign an artist isn't the same reason why this guy might, might sign an artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, when, when we sign artists, you know, Byron uh, was one of the most recent signings. You know, we really actually weren't looking for an artist. Uh, but, you know, I'm always open to new artists. But when I saw Byron, and, and he was on Dirage's record, actually, uh, I liked his sound. But I was like, yeah, I wonder what this dude is doing. So I got to know him. And I really felt like on the, I listened to his album. He had an album that he had just done. Uh, and I liked his I liked his voice. There was something about his voice that really stuck out to me. And then I met him, and I loved his personality. He was uh, Byron is probably one of the most humble dudes you'll meet. Always willing to learn, always asking questions. But he also has a crazy work ethic. He's always working um, mm-hmm. so much so that he pushes me. You know, like uh, that was a big deal to me. Even though uh, he probably feels sometimes like he's bugging me, <laughs> but like yep. he's, he's always pushing and. So what you, you know, a lot of labels are looking for someone that stays busy, that's open, that at least for me, especially that, uh, that is, is in a growth pattern. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can, you can sign an artist at any different stage of their career. Uh, and depending on where they are, that's the variable. Like, so, you know, if you're an artist that's got yourself to a point where you can release a song, get a hundred thousand streams, you're in a good place mm-hmm. and you have some leverage there because a label can take you from there and then grow you out. You know what I'm saying? If you're an artist that's new, that has potential, but a label has to kind of shine you up, you're at a different point in your career where the label's got to do more work, you know? So uh, I think the artist has to just kind of see, like, as an artist, you just want to keep pushing. You want to grow yourself. You always want to be growing, 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 growing. And then when a label comes in, it's really about, can we help each other? You know, can we help grow you further? Are you going to keep working uh, so that we can help profit and make money together with your, you know, with your current career. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we provide value and do you provide value? But I think a lot of times it, it's, it, it's, I know when we were signing our first deal, I didn't really look at it like that. You know, I just thought this will help us, but I didn't really know what to what degree. And so with that being said, I know that creates questions, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think uh, the A&R process is really about, you know, can we, can, can does this artist fit our scheme and our system? Can we grow this artist? Uh, and then what? Where? What are we trying to sign right now? Are we trying to sign someone that's going to make instant bread? Are we going to try to sign someone that we grow and on the third album they make money? You know, there's there's a money port part to this somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you know, we're all in business here. So like, it just depends on where you're at in the process, right? And what, and what the label's goals are that year. 
You know what I'm saying? So if I'm an artist and I'm trying to attract labels, what are some of the things I need to do to be attractive? You know, what are some of the things you start to think about? Yeah, I know for me, man, it's 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 work ethic. And then uh thirst. Like thirst is a turnoff. You know, any type of thirst moves. Yeah, any, any thirst moves like fake mm-hmm. followers, fake streams, mm-hmm. too many features. Like I really when an artist has got like a thousand features, you know, that's very hard to to reverse engineer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because when you know when I pull up your page and I see a feat every you know usually a lot of features means I'm just getting a check. I'm just trying to get paid and do features, which a lot of artists don't realize earlier in their career they're damaging themselves doing that. You know, like it's it's I don't blame you for trying to make money, but that's just one way, and you got to be very careful with who you partner with in music because that individual when you do a feature, you're really kind of co-signing that artist because now you're going to go on Instagram, Twitter and support them probably, you know, and you're co-signing. Every time you retweet or follow someone, you're co-signing a statement or co-signing a brand. That's mm-hmm. why I'm real careful about who I retweet and like because I kind of go back in the history of a thread to make sure I line up with that person as far as different viewpoints, you know what I'm saying? Especially nowadays because you may retweet someone that is out there, you know, left field. So you're kind of looking for what the artist does as far as their day-to-day, you know. And mm-hmm. social media and music is very telling. You know, it'll let you know, like, are you may, are you just doing it for the bread? You know, are you are you chasing something else and you feel we're a stepping stone? You know, where are you at? You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of dynamics that go into it for us that I care about. It doesn't mean every label cares about it. Right. But for me, I care about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think one of the pieces you talked about, too, man, is the, the investment piece. I think um, over the years, I think the um, it's, it's I think it's sometimes hard for people to get their mind around the investment piece and how much a label has to invest to help break a new artist. Right. And the, the long, the longevity element of that. Right. And so um, even on this side, watching it from a Holy culture perspective, and, and at one point, you know, we had a label uh, way back when and have done some production deals. And then we, I did some stuff on the secular side. You would have artists believe that like, once I get signed, I've made it and I should expect like a, a a, a truck to kind of back up at the door and dump it, you know what I'm saying? And then it's, it's on, right? And that's it. And they don't appreciate. Um, so two aspects. One, it's not an instant payday. I mean, it's almost like liking it to, if you get your first job inside of a company, you don't expect to be the CEO next month, right? I mean, you, you do understand you've got to work through some different layers to get to a certain place, but then you understand that the company is going to invest in you for a long-term benefit for both parties, and I think sometimes the artists uh, have to understand that um, you're looking for a longevity piece. So you're also trying to see that consistency and are they going to be around for two, three, four, five years? Is yeah. there enough there? Are you seeing enough substance? Are you seeing enough work ethic? Are you seeing enough consistency to yeah. be there? And then add to that. It's really risky on both sides, right? Because yeah. the artist has to be like, can they take me to another level and, how long are they trying to do, you know, hold on to me before sure. they get me there? Uh, you know, when dudes get older, they start worrying about how old they are, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas in, in hip-hop, you know, that's kind of changed. Jay-Z's kind of extended how long you could be an artist and kind of reimagine, you know, the artist track. So, like, I've noticed that artists really don't even get into their peaks most of the time until their 30s. Yeah. You know, a lot of the artists that we love look young, but they're 30 years old, you know? Um, 
But then there's also the label side of the risk, you know? So like the labels already measured their risk. I think where it gets tricky for an artist is when it's your first deal, uh, you coming in, you don't really know. You just know it'll make you, most of the time you just feel like it'll make you better yeah. the, or, or not make you better, but help you get further is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Artists are already a good artist. They just need help. And the label just needs to, these needs more artists to work with normally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's it's kind of a crazy thing because uh, I'll, I'll be talking to artists and I'll notice that and I'll think to myself they don't realize in this combo their value probably you know and labels know artists bring value so like you know I'll always tell them like you know I I want to be valuable for you uh, you're valuable for me and this is the honest truth this is what you can do for us and this is what we hope we can do for you so probably just asking Byron a question man like you know. Uh, when we were signing you, Byron, what, what were you thinking? What were you feeling about everything at the time? Um, I honestly, you know, I was psyched out because <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. But I, I'm going to be like 3,000. I didn't think they were going to actually look at me. I wasn't, it was actually the furthest thing from my mind. I knew we had like a, you know, we met or whatever, but I was like, in my mind, I thought it was like a fantasy thing. Like, and I was like, yeah, whatever. So when you called me, I was actually shocked. <laughs> like, I was really, really, really shocked. But, um, at that time, I remember I put a or out because I, I went by another name. I went by King, and like it's like weird when I tell people that they're like, "That was you." I was like, "Yeah, oh my god, you were dope." <laughs> but um, I was really scared at first because I didn't want to change. Remember, I didn't want to change my name or <laughs> anything. I was like, "No," and I was trying to bring. I was working with the producer at the time. I wanted to bring him on, and I was like, I was just really nervous. And it's like I knew I was at a point. I literally just started my career and I knew like I thought I like did a lot of cool stuff, which I which I did, but I was just really hoping when I got on board, I was like, okay, this should like bring me to another point. Cause I, I knew I knew my worth ethic. Like I've never I've never this is my first time like getting into a deal. So I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I knew that I could always bring it, like because I knew my worth ethic. But just seeing the uh the results from the other artists that I like saw like Derage and like Derek and like Ken at the time, like they were like, they were really doing like really cool things. And I was like, okay, I can, I could probably do this. And I was like, I know I got the worth ethic of Derek. Like this was before I even met Derek. I was like, I know I have the work ethic to do this. So I was really like, okay, like maybe they could like get me to a point where I want to be like, if I work hard enough, like still. So that's kind of, that's where I was at. But I was scared at first. I was really scared. because I didn't know what the crap was going to happen. I was like, I don't know what the crap. How long has it been now since you've been signed, Byron? It's been like three years, right? Got you. Like how, yeah. how is, how's the how's the journey been? Has it like met? It's been it's been amazing. They have always taken care of me. I will say that from the jump. They've always taken care of me. They have always pleaded up with my crazy ideas. I think the the biggest problem I had as an artist, I would not speak up for anything. You could ask mm-hmm. Don, I would be too scared to talk for anything, and I'd be so passive. But I feel like it was literally, honestly. The, a little bit of last year and this year when I started being like super, super vocal. Cause I think I had to just like really like, I had to grow, man. I had to like understand where I was at. I had to understand. Well, I you think were too. you thought that if you spoke up, we would get mad. Yeah. I really, honestly, I always thought they were going to drop me. I always thought they were going to drop me or just any <laughs> little bit of thing like that I said. And I was so timid and it's like, it was crazy. Cause it's like when I first got there, like, I was in the developmental stages or whatever. So they really had to like do a lot of things for me. So I was super like, you know, relying on it. I was super relying on my first A&R. Like, so it was so crazy. So I was like always so scared 
to be in a box. So it's always it was they had to push me. They had to like be like, okay, bro, you need to start like you know relying on yourself and like start doing things. Like Derek has always been an advocate for that in Doc too. Like you gotta like start being self empowered because the one thing that Derek always preaches is ownership. They're like, by the time he always says this, like by the time you get off, you're gonna own something. I don't care if it's a tire shop, your master, whatever. You're gonna own something. Mm-hmm. So like they start. So like this past year. I really started getting to my that mindset. And I really started discovering my sound. I really started like as I got older, I started like understanding my value as an artist and as a person. It's like it just really started shifting. Like everything recently, it's always been a really good process. But this, like now, I really feel like we hit our we're starting to hit our stride. We're really starting to understand like what we want to do, and it's like I'm pushing the boundaries a lot. I think like we're stretching each other a lot because this year <laughs> I've had some crazy like crazy moments but it's been like crazy good moments so like i'm really excited all right so, like being being honest you know it's okay like what have been some some struggles like working together and like right so, frustrated you? all right so my, my, my biggest thing in art is plugging in and then getting used to the current you know what i'm saying like because you got how you were doing things before you came to us and then then came the challenges you know like so oh yeah some of your frustrations my frustrations were like it's like weird because it's like you know I was so used to like dropping music twenty four eight like I I had a problem like and most artists don't even feel like that but me like I you can ask that if I if he want if he let me I would drop like literally every other week which is like a thing mm-hmm. so then I got we got into this like thing of like you have to space out your releases and I'm like you have to do what <laughs> like um so that was a big struggle for me honestly one of my biggest struggles was like with my first A and R. I was so like, I was so like gravitated and just pulled by what they said. Like I would be like, oh, if they don't approve it, I can't do it. And I like literally, it screwed. It really screwed with me for a long time. I literally just got out of that for this past year. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my problems. And then, uh, and I was scared to like just do, just like being very timid. Like I said, like I thought it was gonna get dropped. And then I really had creative problems because it's like. I wanted to sing like I was like doing really cool rapping or whatever like because I know everybody know I can rap like my tail off like but like I started to really come into my voice and I wanted to sing and I know everybody was kind of iffy about it at first <laughs> and I was just like no I can do this so my, me and my A&R we had we fought me and my A&R like was fighting each other for a while until the point where I was like you know screw it I'm just gonna do what I want and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to sing things so what I started doing is like doing like my own little series or whatever mm-hmm everything on every Saturday on IG and people started really liking me like singing and stuff like that. Mm. So then I had this idea. I put it and it's like I, I actually didn't even tell Doc about it. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna just put it usually and that's another struggle me and like the label had I would just do stuff without even telling the label and then like we would have to go back and fix it. So that was <laughs> that was one yeah yeah that was kind of crazy. But I remember I really wanted to start singing a lot. And I was like, yo, you know what? Like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm just putting on IG. I'm like, you know what? Would you guys like want to hear me do something like singing? People were like, okay, sure. So then I just started working on these songs and that turned out into Hopeful Soul. And that turned out to be like one of my biggest projects that I released. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that is what, that's the time where I realized, because Doc said this to myself. He was like, yeah, bro, we weren't like, you know, sure. But like Hopeful Soul was a great thing. Like, and I'm like, oh, wow. Like, this is a, I can do ideas that I want for myself, even if people don't like really see it right now. But you know, they'll trust me, and we can do it, and it'll work. So that was that was the most frustrating thing, but it actually taught me a lesson. I'm like, dog, I can do this. Like, even if my team doesn't see it all the way, I know they can trust me. Like, and then it'll actually happen. So that's yeah. been my frustration. But honestly, 
those frustrations led into growth that really helped help me. See, like since he started early with us, and we had to go through a branding with him. Like it, it, it takes time to develop the sound and and mm. the focus. Like you know, and, and it, it does turn into a trust thing. It's it's both sides though. You yeah. Know? yeah, you can hear him saying like he didn't know if he could bring it to us and we would like it, and that's trust. You know, it's uh, it's getting used to us being supportive, right? So like we had to learn over time to because you know RMG kind of grew up in front of everybody. Like you know we we started out with what we had and we had to learn a lot on the fly. You know, and so uh, what we try to do is when we sign an artist, we believe in them, first of all. We've already bought in. We see the potential. Right. So then it's about trying to help the artists shape themselves into what they can be. So, like, Byron is, is – he's got a long flight line. Like, I don't know where the ceiling is with Byron. But, you know, now he's singing more. This new record that we've got done is crazy. Uh, right. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just like a whole other level for him. and. We're really, it's going to probably come out here in the fall. We're really excited about it, you know. And, but when we got him, you know, he was just, we started out with something simple. Be a, be a rapper, let's tell your story. And then we started kind of going down this path. And then he got really confident about his singing, um, which I think is, you know, it's funny. Cannon said this to me. Cannon was like, you know, when Byron raps, I don't really know what he's trying to say. But when he sings, man, he makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like... So, you know, Byron's been uh, open, but he's gone through challenges, not always like some of the stuff, love some of the stuff. And ultimately what we try to do is if you bring something to the table, we just want to expand on it and really make it as great as possible for him. And that can be difficult when you're used to doing everything by yourself. Like, Oh, yeah. that was the hardest part. I think the biggest, the biggest growth for anybody in music is allowing people to be a part of the process. Yeah. That, that always lets me know like where somebody is when I hear people talk about you know, when someone feels they're being infringed on in their creativity or, you know, so the big part of, of us picking the artist out, you know, is, is their ability to, to grow and, and learn and be and seeking wisdom. Like uh, some people get there later in life. Some people are there early. Some guys are open early. Like they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Like I was more hard headed. I didn't want to listen to any of that. It took me till I was like almost 30 to be like, all right, I'll listen. <laughs> you know? Trey, you know, I used to talk to you all the time. Yes, sir. But, uh, but uh, is he really bad as he says he was? Because like he'd be saying he was like super hard headed, and I'm not sure. He said he was what? What? I said, well, is he was he as really bad as he always says he was? He always says he was hard headed and stuff like that. But I don't it, believe him. Yeah, about 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 ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I would pay to meet that doc. <laughs> no, you wouldn't like that doc, bro. <laughs> You wouldn't the, want to decide to us. The the the, the two thousand four two thousand five doc, yeah. <laughs> bro, I was like, how? No, I was a child. <laughs> That's crazy. Bro, you ain't got to do that to us, man. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, man, your vocals on uh, your vocals on relief, bro. Nice, really nice. That, that, that was that helps. That was right. Yeah, that was crazy. That was an accident, actually. Doc just like randomly sent it to me. Huh. Um, and I was like, okay. I was honestly, I really wasn't even sure about the record because the thing like Ryan was trying to describe, I was like, I was like, I don't know how we're gonna do that, but I was like, I'm gonna just do something, and it, and it worked. So like, I was super happy about that. The video is crazy though. I really love that. Was like a favorite like experience, video experience yeah. that I had. It is came out really well. Awesome yeah, shot, man. You got any? Uh, you got any questions so far, bro? Any comments? Who me? No, no DJ lost it fam. Hey, um, yeah, I'm just trying to keep it quiet because I got kids in the back. 
Um, yeah, I, I do. Actually, I do have a, a question because it's funny you guys are talking about A&R. Um, yeah. I'm actually, uh, the, the popular word is curating. So I'm curating an album right now. Uh, yeah. Really, it's about um, giving a platform to indie artists uh, in CHH who are not heard. Um, so it's about right now about 35 artists that have planned for like a two volume tra- uh, two volume project. Um, so I'm, I'm and I guess for, you know, what you guys are talking about was value that you get out of it. The value that I'm trying to provide is um, a platform for these artists um, and trying to shop this, you know, the, the project, trying to shop the music um, and then also uh, really trying to be a service to these artists who I look, uh, who I like and who I like to listen to. Um, but it's funny you're talking about the value, and I think the value for me is I get to practice something that I'm that I'm trying to uh, go toward as far as like being an A and R. Um, so I guess my question would be, um, you know, how do you go down that path uh, as far as becoming an A and R? Because a lot of times we talk about being an artist, uh, we talk about being a producer, um, but we rarely talk about those back office, you know, positions that are within uh, the labels. Like, how how would you get within those? Position, uh, like AR. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, you know, a lot of times it's just what you, it's your product. So, like, if you're doing like a mixtape slash like a compilation project, is that what you're doing? Like, you're, you're like a DJ project? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's going to be a, a, a traditional album. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like it's curated by me. Um, put on there and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. kind of like a common day playlist is what it really is these days. But like DJ, yeah, 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 man, we, we kind of don't have that anymore. Like we had the DJ thing for a minute, but I think now it's we really haven't had it. Like there's room for numerous DJs to get involved in. You know, one thing DJs do great is they're kind of a natural A and R, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. you, you definitely understand how to find talent, and then it's just knowing how to do business with the talent. You know, that's the only piece that's missing. What you're asking about, but a lot of times the label, like for us, what RMG kind of equals now. Uh, we always have, but what we've really honed in on is RMZ equals ownership, right? So we've we've been trying to find ways to grow business in the culture, which I think we've been doing a good job the last few years. We're starting to see results. And so what that means is where you come in is we we go amplify for stuff like this. So like a guy comes in and says, hey, I've got this project. Um, You know, uh, I've got these different artists on it. Uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out where to take it, you know? And then usually the question we ask is, okay, you know, how many songs do you have agreements with them? Uh, are you putting any budget behind it? You know, what we end up being is kind of like a label services situation, but that usually goes down the path of building out. So then, you know, if you look at like Rockefeller and DJ Clue back in the day, or uh, like 50 Cent and um, was it, was Drama the one working with 50 Cent? I can't remember who it was, but Drama... He did deals with, you know, I think Atlantic and stuff like that. I can't remember the labels he partnered with, but these guys were already kind of doing stuff. And so labels were like, well, let's just do a deal with you and we'll do a, mm-hmm. you know, a mixtape, you know, or something like that. So like where I see working with you would be, you know, you bring the, the, the record and then we try to see if there's value there. And, you know, if right away there isn't, what you do is you just go through a, a release schedule with it and you build it out. You know, and the more you do that uh, and you learn that process, the more value it valuable you become to everybody because one of the biggest problems with working with people is just not them not understanding the process and being patient with the process because you know in music there is no 
I mean, there, there probably is a green button, but it's like a million trillion dollar green button. Like you have to pay for everything around mm-hmm. it to make it look like it needs to look for someone to take it serious. So for all of us that are growing things out, there's a process releasing singles, building your brand, uh, knowing how to, how to run ads, knowing how to do videos, knowing how to do third party stuff, you know? So, uh, all that is a part of it, but if, it comes down to how much work do we have to do to take it to the next level. So if you're coming in like, I've got the music, I understand the rollout to a certain degree, I'm patient, here's my four or five uh, uh, anchor artists that I want to push. You know, I've got 10 songs, I want to do five singles. I'm willing to spread this out for a year. That's like music to any label's ears, you know what I'm saying? And then it's like, okay, well, here's what we would do. And then we partner, you know what I'm saying, on, on the record. You know, and that's, typically the the thing so the more that you understand the front end the more you bring on the front end to plug into a system the better it gets you know and for our system that's how it works that doesn't mean that everyone's going to work that way but for us that works for us you know uh where we have problems a lot of times with people is they don't want to they want results but they don't want to spread it out and like someone that's got ten thousand monthly listeners and wants to drop a whole project uh, the first thing I do is tell them, break that project up because there's no way you're going to get a result. Like people are going to listen through the first like five songs and stop. If even that, you know what I'm saying? I know I'm kind of going over on the details, but uh, just showing you like kind of how it is and how the brain works, at least here, you know, we're always trying to find a way to build a brand, market it, spread it out. Mm-hmm. I don't tell you, man, we've made him break up stuff and take his time and, he hasn't even done a whole album here. You know, we've done EPs. <laughs> killing him. You're killing the boy. You're killing the man. But look where he's at, though. All his all his growth is organic. And he, I mean, he's got, what, 10,000 followers now. And all that is organic following. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We, got him, we had to rebrand him, so he had zero. Mm. So zero oh, yeah. to 10K is a, is a big, and that's real 10K. That's like, yeah. when we drop him, those people are engaged and listening. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of what, you know, uh, for Lost and Found, man, that's kind of what you want to do is you want to become a brand that is growing and people can come in, along and grow with you. And anyone in their right mind, when they see there's something there, they're going to be like, okay, because you're the, you're the centerpiece for that whole thing. So if you've got four really dope features of people that are emerging, right, and, and you're emerging, that's a, a, an amazing thing for any label to take on. Cause it's like okay, they're in the they're in the emerging status, so I can go to the curators and say, "You supported these guys before. This guy is an emerging artist, emerging DJ. He's doing these mixtapes, and we don't really have that anymore in the culture anywhere. Like, we should get a, we should be a part of this and, and jump yeah. on board. You know what I'm saying? And they'll they'll love it. They'll jump on it. They'll they'll be a part of it because they'll see the value in it. You know, because everyone's trying to figure out how to grow things. You know? Have there been any real? Um P and D deals in CHH over the last five years. We've Maybe. done. Say again. We've actually done a few P and D deals, and we've actually signed a couple P and D deals. I mean, outside of you guys, though. I mean, because you guys have Amplify, and and I mean, you're different. Uh, few, a few, like a couple of artists have signed deals. You know, like KB's deal is probably a more of a P and uh, I'm pretty sure it is. I don't know the specifics of his deal, but. An artist as qualified as him is probably going to get a PND. Uh, I, I don't know too many though. Like, okay. uh, I know that we're that's what we're trying to do. Is well, let's talk through that because I think that's helpful too, man. As a part of this A and R thing, in terms of what cats when when what a 
what cats are looking for. So in your experience, when, when a lot of artists are coming through, how, how many are looking for just a singular artist deal versus kind of what Lost and Found is talking about that really want to establish themselves and establish a platform? What would you say the, the ratio? Yeah, there's a lot. We we do uh so we've been doing different kind of deals. Like we have one deal that's a very rare one. We've done with a couple where artists is pretty much paying the royalties ahead and mm-hmm. we give them a really aggressive percentage because we have to make a certain amount of money a month off our artists to work with them. Mm-hmm. Some artists just aren't there. Uh and they and we really can't sign them because we don't have the budget to sign them right now. We we allot a certain amount of signings a year. We have signings that are going on right now, but we have to allot that money for those people. So with RMZ Amplified, we're like, okay, we can, we'll sign you, you pay ahead what we need, we'll give you a really dope percentage, you own everything, and then we'll market you for a year. And then after that, we'll reassess and see if we can just do a percentage, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so basically, you're just, you're bringing your budget, basically. Then we have deals where the artist is already good, and we do a joint budget, and we do like a split percentage of some sorts, you know, whatever we agree on and whatever makes sense. Once again, they own everything. We also have publishing administration where if somebody wants us to do syncs and they want us to help them, we'll do it if we administrate it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and a lot of artists don't realize how much money they leave on the table with administration. There's a lot there that they leave on the table. About 12% of the money, actually. And then we have full-on deals where we'll do like, hey, we'll give you a budget, uh, we'll recoup it, and then we'll do this split. Where Because of our... Our label's been more healthy now. We can do stuff like that. That's more risky for us. Uh, we have to be careful who we do that with. It has to be someone that's really selling well, and it, and it works for us. Uh, and a lot of times, too, you know, artists that are capable don't really need the budget. They just want the support, and they want to own everything. And then, you know, we're basically hired to help out. So we get a percentage of doing the job. Uh, we're very transparent, which is dope because we run it through Empire and there's a split in the back end. Mm-hmm. So artists get two things that are super important for them. One, they get their data, which most people don't realize is the most important thing for you ever. Uh, you can make money and not have your data and you don't know your value. Uh, and then the other side is, is you know, they get their bread. So you get to see your sales, you get to know what you're making, you get to know your splits, you get to see all your data on the back end. The Empire system is very powerful. So you get to see all your all your data and empire. So what I feel has been going on and what we've been able to offer is a way for people to grow, you know, because I think it kind of feels helpless if you're just doing all you can, but you just don't know what else to do. And you're kind of just sitting in one place. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're bringing ways, we're bringing opportunities in to help people kind of raise their ceiling and go to the next level. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to sign everyone. What's going to happen, what's already kind of started to happen is people get attention of other labels. And then they want to sign them, you know, and that's cool. Like if we're not in the place to do that, uh, by all means, you know, an artist should have options available to them. And that's the whole point of growing the culture. You know, the idea is hopefully we can still work together and, and it comes back other ways, but not everyone does that, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So that's kind of how we've been doing it. Then RMG is more of the RMG proper is, limited and it's for people that we want to invest solely in you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um we haven't the only artist we've done like a split deal there is dj standout gotcha we have a deal with him that's more uh it's a non-standard rmg deal you know but gotcha so talk about talk about the uh the historic one of the historic problems that most people have faced in their first deal and this is really you know has been a secular issue man i don't know i don't know 
how problematic it's been in CHH. So if it's not been a problem, you can just say it hasn't been a problem. We can move on. But um, masters and publishing, right? In the, in the secular space, man, that has historically always been an issue of cats not being able to get ownership of their masters, right? Either initially or even during the duration perpetually. And then secondarily, publishing, right? Has been almost like they've been kept at arm's length. What have you seen in CHH? I think it's been a problem for people, for sure. I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't want to speak on other labels' business practices. And, sure, sure. Uh, and I'm not just talking about only Chris. I mean, the mainstream labels are coming in too now. So yeah, just. It, I think it comes down to people chase clout. Clout is not a good thing to chase. Uh, here's why. Clout is temporary. If you're leveraging someone else's clout for your ownership, you're leveraging a temporary situation for the lifetime of your ownership. Mm-hmm. Totally not a good move. You'll have the clout if you own in time. Nothing happens overnight, right? So patience t- seems to be the biggest problem in my in my world when it comes to doing business with people is the patience of growing yourself. And what happens is I, I'm not the kind of person that wants to that wants to ever sign. So I'll say this: my legacy, what I want it to be, is that I've created business owners. And people have been able to, to own what they've been a part of with us. Right. I don't want to be 60 years old, sitting on the side of the pool, uh, retired, hopefully, getting a phone call. And I got Byron on the phone talking about, I don't own anything, Doc, nothing, right? Because that's exactly what I don't want to be as a guy that took everything. Right. I want to be the guy that Byron calls me and be like, what you doing, man? You know, I'm out here doing my thing. Like, I want anyone that crosses our path or does business with us to one day uh, be able to say I was successful and this, this helped me be successful. Yeah. And so the problem with business is, is everybody's at a different point in their life with business and business is kind of organic in nature. It's, it's like it grows with you, right? Like some people just aren't businessmen or women and, and some people are. And business is very visionary and linear. So like where I was 10, 15 years ago, Trey, you were way ahead of me. You've already been in business. You've been in financial businesses. You've been in the practice of growing things and seeing the long-term benefit of things. And I would call you and complain about something I saw going on in the culture. And you'd be like, Hey bro, like it's cool if they do that. You gotta be open to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it would, it would, it would click with me and I'd be like, okay, you know, but like, so when it comes to an artist signing a new deal, where I'm going with this is uh, a lot of times the thirst comes out. Right. Mm -hmm. And everyone has like a thirst. I mean, it's just part of it. Like you want to go, there's things that, that when you see an opportunity, man, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I, mm. I want that opportunity. Yeah. You know, labels always ask you these questions. They always go, every time I've been in any of these, these meetings, they're always like, well, what do you want? And that's like literally you going, what do I have? Oh, I've got four queens. <laughs> like you're letting them know what your weakness is uh, so that they can exploit that. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I feel like every time I get asked that question, I'm, I'm being exploited. In the beginning, I thought they wanted to help me. And right. so I'm telling them what I need. But instead, what it is, is let's find out what you don't have, and then we're going to tax you for that. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if that's what every label thinks when they come in and ask you that question. All, in, all I know is my experience has been, I don't need you to give me that. I need you to give me the bread so I can go get it myself. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm missing is this much budget to do this. And I know we're going to make this. You know what I'm saying? So... For artists, you know, I think when you go do a deal, uh, 
what you want to do is come in and be like, I'm patient. I'm willing to grow it. And if you want to own, you have to be patient. Mm-hmm. Less impatient, the less patient you are, the less you're going to own. Yeah. And if you're not paying any money into your project, you really can't own the masters. Masters are, are whoever's spending the money to build you out is the master owner because that's their investment. Right. What's going on though is labels have overreached into the publishing. So you can, there's two sides of the ownership in music. There's the pub and there's the master. And so what a lot of labels have done is they found a way to get into the publishing and the artists not really realize they own nothing. Right. right. So if you don't own the pub or the master, that means you don't have any control of your music whatsoever. You can do nothing about anything. You cannot say no to anything. They can do whatever they want. They can sell it to whoever they want. And all you have, all you can do is sit back and watch. Right. Chad's coming in. Okay. Yeah. Chad will love this part of the combo. But yeah. hey, look, it's Chad. Is it Chad the goat, the great? <laughs> What's up, Chad? But, yeah, so what happens is, is you know, artists get excited, they sign a deal, and they, they, they don't even get publishing out of it. Right. What I can tell you at RMG is every artist owns a part of something. Like, they own part of their publishing. They own something. Like, that way they always have something. And as they work through their deals, they own more and more and more. Right? So we, I, I build out a, a, a elevating deals to where when you get into your fourth album with an artist, they're not looking at it like, dang, bro, I don't, I'm, I'm like I was the first album. Like, I don't, I'm not owning any more of what, of what I'm doing, even though I'm four albums in. Right. Probably like four years in by that point, right? After four years, 40 songs, whatever, don't you think an artist should at least be getting more of their record by that time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so Byron, I'll tell you, so when we get syncs, they see, they, you know, if, if Check this out. If you don't own your master or your publisher and you're only in the mechanical writer side of it and a $200,000 sync comes in, you get almost none of that. Trash. You know how heartbreaking that would feel? Right. Like right. to know that you're up, on, you're up on this movie and everyone's like, bro, you're on the movie, you're on Marvel. And you're like, yeah, but uh, yeah, I didn't make any money off that. <laughs> but, but, but back up to something you said though, right? To your point, if you're not investing in any part of the upfront, uh, the first run, right? The first yeah. record, it's impossible to own anything. What, what percentage of artists you think understand that upfront, that really understand that piece of the game from the, from the onset? None of them. Well, I mean, I'm not saying none of them. Some of them get it because they're more entrepreneurial than others. Right. Like for, you know, it, it's an emotional thing for an artist, man. Like this is your art. You know, so at the end of the day, this is yours. You built this, you made this, you created this. Without you creating it, it doesn't exist, right? So that's a very tough thing to fight through. That's a hard conversation to have with somebody. Uh, but there are, but the problem is, is you may not be willing to give it away, but somebody else will be willing to give it away. Yeah. And so labels may want you, and since you don't want to do it, they'll just move on to somebody else who will. Yeah, um, that's the hard part about it, which is scary for an artist because then what happens? You have to watch your friend go get signed when that was your deal, and blow up and look dope, you know. And not, but after about a year, that dies out, right? Right. They've done the picture in front of the thing, they did all this, and then they're done. And meanwhile, you're cool. And then the real story is they're not really making any money. They looked cool for a minute. They got the bag in the beginning. They spent the bag. And now they're just sitting. Meanwhile, you own everything or you own more. 
and you get more out of it. And maybe the first couple years is tough because you're building it out, but you get into the fourth or fifth year, sixth year, now all of a sudden you're eating. Right. A lot. And that other artist that took your deal is gone. Yeah. But that's hard to watch happen because it's happened to us. <laughs> right. And I'm, and I'm asking the question more from a hypothetical. It's funny because yeah. I, got, I got the this business. What edition is this? This is uh, the Blue Joint. Uh, this business of music, right? And so yeah. the encyclopedia, the old encyclopedia, right? And so I'm asking because I just remember that time period where everyone wanted a deal and they didn't know what kind of deal they 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 wanted a deal right and we started, know what kind of deal like right we and we started and a number of us started right and a number of us started getting more educated around what is a deal right and trying to deconstruct a deal understand the different types of deals so my, here's my question because if you if you understood from the onset what mechanicals could be worth in the long run and what publishing could be worth and you could have a conversation with a doc watson who's reasonable and other label owners like you who are reasonable but okay well hold up if I understand that over time, this could look like this, it's almost like the rule of 72 in investments, right? If I can put this in and understand compound interest at 10% means I double my money every seven years, yo, that makes a big difference how I think about spending my money. So if you told me now, if I can put 10 grand in along with your platform and marketing expertise, and I get to own a part of this from the onset, that's a different move to tell me, because I'll take a piece out of my 401k, I'll borrow from auntie, I'll borrow from mom. Yeah. I just didn't know. I just wanted to get on. You would do that, would do that because you're you're an entrepreneur, though. You're, you're, uh, you don't think a lot of artists would do that? I don't think so, man. Not because they couldn't or, or wouldn't. It's because they can't. Gotcha. So, looks like Byron, Byron got to go soon. We're about to wrap up here soon. But okay. Byron, like, in your experience so far with budgets and things like that and with us investing, I mean, now that you see what goes into it, how do you feel? I didn't know this much went into it because, like, you remember when you told me the statements of how much, like, you got spent over the last three years, like, the other day, and I was like, like, the last few years, and I was like, what the crap? Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't, it was, it was a lot, well, it's not, not in the grand scheme of things, like, I know it's, like, way more now, but I didn't know how much, like, labels really have to invest to just get an artist, like, just even into, like, a developmental, okay, your own people's radar now. They spent, so much money <laughs> but like but the reason he told me one thing he was like you know your work like when your label knows that your worth what your worth is even when like you kind of like don't see it and they don't take advantage of you this is why i'm super grateful that they found me because doc's like you know what like it is a lot but i believe in you and you're worth it that's why we're putting all of this in so now me like getting to understand it like the value of ownership from them like and getting to like have you know access to like only a percent of like you know publishing and other other things because they understand how much that means like it means the world and it's like seeing all of this now and understanding budget i'm seeing how much more important it is and like for me if i were to go off like another or like maybe like start my own label one day like i understand i have that knowledge now previously i didn't know what crap what mechanical royalties were what publishing was what a master was you can take advantage of that that's the problem is like because he doesn't know you can dangle some bread over his shoulder and get his mind off of that and give him a check and then now he's unaware and then you know three years later here we are i bet you you'd be mad about that if you knew you didn't own anything you know so like that's that's the problem i have is i I don't want to be that guy because i'm like i was mad when i found out yeah. I think that's a normal reaction for any human being that realizes 
they took the short money for the long money, right? Like yep. your ownership is what you have to leverage as a retirement. When you're an right. artist, you've got all this publishing and some masters here and there. Like that's what you can use. You could go set up to somebody. If you right. want to just get out of the game and just be done with it, you can go, hey man, you know, you might be sitting on a couple mil and not even know it. You know, and, and that's, that's that's your ownership. That's your virtual property. <laughs> I remember I remember uh there was a certain record label that within that the space of CHH, they they sold their masters or something to like some record label and it was like it was worth they sold their whole catalog and it was worth a lot. And I was like that that day kind of just like let me know. I'm just like, oh wow, like knowing what you know, what percentage you own on your writers, your publishing, all that, your mechanical, it matters. Like having a piece, like it matters. So like that's where one thing I'm super grateful to have been signed by RMG. They taught me that. And they always would be right on the business end, even when I was like so stupid that I didn't know what was going on. Like, what's fair is fair, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's fair is fair. Like, sure, Byron's earlier years, you know, he was just getting started. But then as Byron's progress, you know, he, he earns more. You know, like he mm-hmm. deserves that. And that's a negotiation. Like, it goes back and forth. And, you know, I, it's not up to the label to decide what you're worth. I mean, I think it's a, it's a conversation that both sides have to have. But, we're pretty honest about how we feel about it. We're pretty honest about what we think we can do. And um, I just, I didn't understand publishing until I heard about a placement that happened. And I'll be honest, we actually, when we first signed our artists, we owned everything because we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We took a contract from somebody else and thought that it was fair. So we're like, well, we're all Christians here. Boom. And then when I found out about this placement that happened uh, somewhere else um, and what happened with the artists and, and, what they got from it. I never heard what their thoughts were, uh, you know, any of that. I just know that myself, I would be ashamed at keeping everything. And I I understand from the business sense, you could say, well, without us, it wouldn't have happened. But, and the mechanicals is only given out, like the the writer side is is law. By law, you have to pay people their writers, right? Because it was so bad that I think they had to act that in Congress to make sure the writers weren't losing their money. so with me, like, I understood that helping with visibility can help an artist get those opportunities. But if an artist isn't able to make money with you, um, being a part of their situation, what's the incentive to keep writing? You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and, and then I don't ever want to be in that conversation where someone's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I didn't make any money. And then right away, people are like, what? Why? You know what I'm saying? Well, they own everything. Like, I, you right. know. I don't know at what point in time they're going to discover Byron. They could, in the beginning, it might be more understandable, but what, you know, 40 songs later, should Byron never own anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't th- if he hasn't grown by that point, we haven't done our job. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I think Byron's like 20 songs in right now, and he's grown phenomenally, and we just redid his deal, actually. So, like, mm-hmm. I think that's the key is, on the one side, wherever you are as an artist, I think we could, to wrap it up, it's, you know, wherever you are, you have to know your worth, you know, and you know your worth by having lawyers and business advisors. Uh, not every label is going to be honest about, you know, and, and I'm still at the point where I'm, I have to look at the label's interests. But as an artist, you have to know what your value is, too. And, and then it just comes down to give and take. Well, what do you need? Okay, I'm willing to give up this because I know I need this. That's business. Business is, okay, I'll let you have this because I really need a budget for this. And I understand that that means I'm going to lose this amount of money or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
that's what businesses do because it's supposed to create more revenue in the long run because we're working together. Mm-hmm. So it's not supposed to cost you money. It's supposed to help you make more money and make up for what you're losing down the road. And I think that's where music is hard for people to understand. Like, you know, especially with streaming nowadays, right? Streaming takes a little bit longer to see the results. You know, after about a year, you start seeing how well you're doing as an artist, you know? So when you sign an artist, you have to provide value. Well, Byron went from, you know, having a couple of songs with 10,000 streams to having songs with 4 million streams. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think the value is there, but then you have to recognize the growth and the hard work and the dedication. And, you know, some, some deals just don't do that for you. They don't, rep, they don't show the appreciation of an artist's career. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I think that that's, that has to change. You have to, any artist ever signing a deal right now, I'm going to tell you this, you should try to get into a deal where by the third album, labels are making money, they say. So somewhere in that third, fourth option, you need to be looking at making more off of your royalty and your publishing. That's the two areas that you can argue. And there should be switches turning on there where you can do that. Like, you should never sign a deal where every single option is the exact same terms as the first one. That should never happen because that's not fair to you. It's not fair. Like you're making more money. And here's the deal too. If you have a better deal for yourself down the road, it forces the label to make sure they're growing you so that they can also make money because it it holds them accountable us. uh, Because if I'm not growing Byron, then that means I'm making less money and I'm giving away more. (laughs) So you're protecting yourself from somebody being lazy. It's in my best interest to spend more money and to grow an artist if I have, you know, if I want to see a return on my investment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm with you, bro. All right. Well, let's try to wrap this up. Uh, I think we said we try to keep it to an hour. Um, yeah. I'm going to play back something you said. I'll I'll add something to it and maybe say it a different way. Because you said, you know, one thing is, um, folks are blessed that work with you, bro. And you said, you know, being honest, I think it's beyond honest, man. Cause honest is just putting out, you know, what's available and saying, you know, here it is. And, you know, so on and so forth. I think it's a higher level of integrity. So the one thing I would advise artists too, is to do your homework, man, in terms of, um, you're not just looking for a deal. You're also looking for people who have good experiences with those people who can talk about it. Right. Like Byron can. Um, the second thing I would say is, and, and this is just me. And I know, Doc, you're going to say, oh, well, you're an entrepreneur, Trig. I, you know, I, I would say, bro, to the extent that there's publicly available information on any business you go into, you should try to become a student, a student of that business and try to deconstruct right. it and put it on the spreadsheet, right? You can yeah. use Google Sheets. You can get the information. And you should try to lay it out to understand how anyone who across the table from you is looking at that same information so you understand the value exchange. You should understand your value in the deal and the other person's value in the deal because that's the only way you could ever negotiate. That's just that's just rule one on one of negotiations. Yeah, so you, you should understand that from the onset. So don't go into a deal naked on information. You know what I mean? Know what you know what you're signing. And also know this: if you're going to dumb down the deal, if a label really wants to sign you, they'll, they'll let you dumb it down, but then you get less services. I think that's and that's another issue. Sometimes is artists don't realize. You can dumb everything down that you want, but then you lose some of the power. Yeah. You know, like you have to do more yeah. on your end. Uh, they're going to let you, because they've valued themselves already, just like you're yeah. valuing yourself. Yeah. You know, and I, I've had an artist upset with me about that that he worked with because he felt like there wasn't enough support. And I was like, well, I mean, 
we agreed on one thing and your lawyer gets on the phone and now it's another thing. Right. Out of respect, I'll do it for you, but how much do you want me to do for that percentage? I mean, I, I can't, I can't do that when I got guys, you know, giving me more, you know, how do I, how does that look? When I go tell that guy, Hey man, you know, so-and-so got this percent, did the same thing for both of y'all. And you did, you gave me a lot more though. <laughs> right. You know, that's not fair. And artists talk. <laughs> so, right. you know, people don't keep their deals private like they should. And so it, it ends up being, you know, a, a mark on me, you know, if I'm giving the same support. So that's another thing, like, you know, if you just got to realize if you want to grow, you're going to have to give something up. If you don't want to put the money up front, then you have to give a percentage. And that's that's just normal business, no matter where you go in, in America, like, yeah. or the world. People are going to give you what you put in, and, and it's all about how can we do this together. No one's ever going to say, hey, I'll give you everything. Right. And I don't want anything. <laughs> you know that that never happens and if it does ask a lot of questions you know so but you're right trade like uh just to add a little more to that what you just said we have an artist that we're looking at signing right now and they like reverse engineered the heck out of me i was really impressed like they were they knew more about me than most people ever have known when we signed them i was like how did you know that wait how did you figure that out like they went back to the CLE days. I'm like, there's no information <laughs> on that anymore anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it is It is important to do that uh, and then to see how it fits for you. Because yeah. it may not be a good fit. You might know that. You might know what you want and we may not have what you need and or we may have a different philosophy on how we do business too. So, and we make mistakes. You know, we're definitely not outside of mistakes. Right. You know, we try to fix them, but right. yeah. For sure. No, man, uh, I appreciate the time, brother. And, uh, Alasa fam, thanks for being around, bro. And Byron, thanks for sharing your information. Yeah, thanks for joining, brother. Be Appreciate you. Already. Yeah. We're all gonna right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take care of you later for all your negative comments about me. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> all right, Joe. Right, guys. Signing off. God bless. All right, Joe. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Now we on some can't keep on the top. Yeah, we all that we got. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, oh, ay, 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 oh, ay, 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 Stay down till we came up. Ay, 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 Never lay down. Never let up. Ay, 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 Stay down. We came up. Ay, 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 Never lay down. Never let up. Try to comprehend who you dealing with.